Thanks for listening to the Uppity Women podcast. Today, we are talking to Eve Jorgensen. Eve is the founder of Moms Demand Action in Little Rock. Moms Demand Action is a group that promotes and advocates for common sense, public safety, gun safety, other regulations that don't infringe upon people's Second Amendment rights, but it's an effort to implement common sense gun control legislation. And actually, gun control is not their phrase, it's mine. Um, You know, I grew up with a family who hunted, and we just had access to guns wherever they were in the house. My stepdad packed his own bullets, and uh, we hung dead deer in the garage (laughs) so that he could um, cut them up and make venison. So I'm used to guns. I'm fairly comfortable around them. They're something that I would use for target practice or hunting small game. Um, I was not a real big hunter, but I would go out with them. And I just am not against guns, but I am for common sense legislation. I think that the, well, there actually has been no debate and I don't see why we can't implement some controls, right? There's just no, no one is entitled to just unfettered rights as far as guns are concerned, you can lose that privilege and it should be a privilege. I don't know why we can't keep track of where the guns are. I don't see any reason not to register them. I know that there are a lot of people who think that the the libs are trying to take their guns away and I just, yeah, well, actually, I do know some people who would like to get rid of guns altogether, but I think that in general, most people are not interested in doing that. But when we know that there are people who are dangerous to themselves or others, I don't see the problem with making sure that their guns are taken away from them or that they're not allowed to buy guns in a store or at a gun show or on Craigslist or eBay or wherever else they're sold. I don't know if they're sold on eBay, but I know they're sold in Walmart and other very common uh, places. So I don't know. I don't know why we aren't just talking about this. I think it's also very telling that Congress will not let us study gun violence as a public health issue. It is. And I feel like every time there's another school shooting, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and wish that we could do something. And we can, but we need to come together and talk about it. Maybe the people who refuse to do that shouldn't be entitled to guns themselves. I I don't know. I don't know. But it's well, well, well past time that we figure this out. Because I know too many parents who send their kids to school every day and wonder if they're going to make it home alive. And I just don't understand why that's okay with us. It's not okay with me. But all of that said, I really would like to talk to someone who comes at this from different perspectives. So if you're willing to have an actual conversation about it and tell me your ideas and what we might be able to do, please get in touch. I would love to talk to you because I I do think that we're all going to have to come together and have this discussion. So please enjoy this conversation with Eve. I... I like what she has to say. I like what the group is advocating for. I like that they are not just anti-gun. They are pro-public safety. And I really think that that is an important distinction. So if you want to get involved, you can text the word READY to 64433. You can get more information about how to get involved in Arkansas. Um, And you can also text the word ORANGE to the same number, 64433, and that will bring back information about different events that are happening in June, sponsored by Moms Demand Action. So anyway, please enjoy the show and get involved. Have this conversation. Talk to people. Let's figure this out. Thanks. Well, welcome, Eve. You want to tell us who you are? Well, thank you so much. My name is Eve Jorgensen. I am the chapter leader for the Arkansas chapter of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. 
Is that your day job? No, I work full-time for Central Arkansas Water. I am a GIS technician, which means that I map all of the water lines, valves, hydrants, and add data to that map. How do you get into that kind of work? I studied geography in college, hmm. and GIS is a really big field. It's it's being used in more and more different fields, and it's it's pretty integral to the water utility. I don't know if they're related, but I'm I'm thinking about GPS and this mapping of uh, you know water, gas, all of the utilities, electric. Are, are there new technologies like that that you're using to to map these systems? We do. We have pretty sophisticated GPS to um, collect where all of the valves and hydrants and fittings are. Because once you bury a lot of those things, short of digging it up, you ha- you don't know. So it's very important to get that good data on the front end and be able to map it. And then if there is a water main break, we can easily detect how many houses are going to be affected by a shutdown, things like that. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. So... How did you get into this effort with Moms Demand Action? A few of my good friends were promoting an event at the Clinton School. Um, Shannon Watts was coming to Little Rock to give a talk at the Clinton Center. And I thought, well, sure, I'll go. It was my first Moms Demand Action event. Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action, and she came and gave a really empowering speech about uh, the movement for gun violence prevention. And shortly after that, that was in the summer of 2016, and that August, my son started kindergarten. And I saw him walk into that giant public school, and I thought, oh, gosh, School shootings are such a real problem and such a scary problem. And I decided to reach out to my girlfriends who had invited me to that event. And I just jumped in with both feet. Do you have, I believe all children's lives. I, I am, I am, I want to protect all children's children's lives. I'm interested in school. I'm, I'm interested in everything. So I don't believe you have to have a personal connection to gun violence. Um, but is there anything in your history uh, that, do you have gun violence in your history, I guess? I I do not personally. Um, one of my very dear friends was held at gunpoint and kidnapped, basically, with her three-year-old at the time. A man pulled a gun on her and said, get in the car and take me to the ATM. Thank God she lived and was set free. And it was a happy ending, but seeing her go through that and the trauma and the fear it just, it rocked me, and it wasn't even me. And gun violence affects everyone in that way. More and more people, we, you know, have some association with, oh, well, when my, when my brother was little, he shot himself. Or when so-and-so was little, they pulled a gun out of a drawer, and they didn't realize it was a real gun. And you don't have to be personally impacted to know so many people who are. And part of what we try and do is lift up survivors' voices. Just this past Sunday was Bereaved Mother's Day. And um, there are so many mothers out there who have had their children's lives taken by guns. And we, we focus on those stories and empower those families of victims to share those stories and advocate for stronger gun laws. What's the mission of the group? The mission is gun violence prevention. 
a hundred Americans are shot and killed every day. And, um, you know, the group was founded after Sandy Hook Elementary, the massacre there. But shortly after they realized what is a real, the real crisis is day-to-day gun violence. And so we are looking to prevent gun violence across the board in all communities, suicides, unintentional shootings, everything. Domestic violence. Domestic violence. Absolutely. Uh, Do you have a a sort of plan? What are the um, sort of main steps you think would, would make, I guess the the biggest difference, at least as a start? Um, Our number one priority would be universal background checks, including uh, closing gun sale loopholes. Um, Our existing background check system was past 25 years ago, before the internet was really what it is now. And now you can get online and just buy a gun with no background check. You can go to a gun show and buy a a gun with no background check. We think that is the number one priority, um, to close those loopholes and ensure that we're really being accountable for who we're selling guns to. And what you'd be checking for would be uh, prior felonies or or certain... Dangerous history. Certain... Domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. convictions, prior felonies, maybe some sort of incarceration where they should not have a gun. What if it's um, just nonviolent drugs or, or, I don't know, theft? Does any conviction, is that what you're looking at or... No. More violent Violent, violent histories. Right. And what about, um, I've thought a lot about mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people who because we don't offer a lot of mental health assistance, we don't probably know how many people really are struggling with problems. And I need to think about what my question is. Is there a way to tag people who may see, see that's the whole problem. It's uh, not the whole problem, but one problem it, as I try to figure this out is how do you know who is going to, uh, who is the dangerous one? Right? Sure. Also, just from a sort of um, a due process perspective, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I, I think of these things as well from that perspective. And for someone who might be have certain delusions or obsessions or, or whatever it is, I'm not really sure, but they haven't done anything. I don't know. I don't know where the line is. Is that something you all talk about and, and try to figure out? Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Because I just cannot figure out what a good solution would be. Um, have you heard of extreme risk protection orders or red flag laws? Mm, I think I've heard of red flag laws. Well, they are being passed across the country. Um, it is a way to take guns away from someone who is exhibiting signs of uh, mental distress or suicidal behaviors. And it, it, it does involve due process. It's very precise language in the law, the way the process goes. It's a family member or a police officer can petition a judge to temporarily remove firearms from someone's home. And so many of these mass shooters, right, say the the mom or the family or the like the student at Parkland, all of the students said we knew something like this was coming. That guy had all the signs, but no one did anything about it. He went out and bought an AR-15 that day and shot 17 high school students. And so a red flag law, Florida passed it with bipartisan support right after that shooting. Mm -hmm. 
And um, they're being passed across the country. Senator Greg Letting filed a red flag bill this session, which didn't pass. But there are things we can do short of just saying, oh, I wish we could have done something. Right. And so Greg Letting's a Democrat from Northwest Arkansas. Were there any Republicans who signed on to that? No. 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 It failed in committee. And... That was it. Right. Was there any discussion about it or was it pretty, was it just kind of? Uh, there was a pretty heated discussion. Lots of good questions from both sides, um, but it was ultimately, I don't think it stood much of a chance this yeah. time. What were the main concerns for pe- from people who, who were against it? What if somebody's guns were taken away and then they were robbed that night? Has anyone, I hear that a lot. We live in a culture where we're supposed to be afraid of everyone, you know, and... You know, I live in downtown Little Rock. I've never had a problem here. But people think downtown is dangerous because of banging in Little Rock or, you know, whatever it is. And, of course, there's crime, but it's usually in, concentrated in certain neighborhoods and um, which where there is a lot of gun violence. So we can talk about that as well. But I do think there's this misconception about how dangerous the world really is. Uh, mean world syndrome that we get from the media, uh, from the NRA, from gun manufacturers. So has anyone... I'm sure they have, but has anyone looked at actual crime, that kind of crime, those numbers compared to the, what am I trying to ask here? So what if I get robbed? I guess, has there been, uh, um, I mean, in, in states that might have stronger gun control laws, is there an increase in these kinds of violent crimes? Yeah, I don't know how to ask the question because I'm not sure. Um, Do you know what I'm trying to ask? Well, how does that bear out? There are many, many studies done about having a gun does not make you safer, especially women in their homes. I can't give you specific numbers off the top of my head, but um, Connecticut passed quite strong gun laws after the Sandy Hook shooting, and they have some of the lowest homicide rates, some of the lowest gun violence numbers in the nation. And we believe it is because of their strong gun laws. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has not turned them into the Wild West. Right. And states with weak laws have higher numbers of gun violence. It's just, it seems obvious to me. Right. The more guns there are, the more access people have. Yes. Yeah. So, and what about the argument uh, that people just want guns for hunting and fishing and and self-protection, you know, and why should your fear, I want to say Trump, and that's such a dangerous word to use these days, but uh, why should your fear uh, be more important than their rights to be able to live that lifestyle? Mom's Demand Action makes it very clear that we are not anti-guns. Um, we have many members who are gun owners and hunters, but we we advocate also for smarter gun safety. Um, we have a program called Be Smart, which is secure your guns, locked and unloaded, model responsible behavior, ask about the presence of guns in people's homes where your kids are going to play, recognize the risks of suicides and tell other people to be smart because we know there are guns everywhere. We're not going to just make guns disappear. So what we need to do is to spread the message about, hey, having a gun loose in your purse where your toddler can reach it is a really dangerous idea. Gun suicide is a huge problem 
in our country. We need to talk about the risks and what to look for because our gun homicide rate, two-thirds of all gun deaths in America are gun suicides. And if you try and commit suicide by pills or jumping off a bridge, you may be able to be saved. But if you shoot yourself, you're almost for sure going to succeed. So all of these factors, we we need to talk about responsible gun ownership. Who can carry and where they can carry. You know, have a gun, but don't bring it to my kid's daycare. Don't bring it to the bar. Mm -hmm. We believe there are limits. We have Airbnb apartments, and uh, a guy stayed with us one weekend, a young, attractive African-American guy, and we were visiting on the front porch, and he he is a... uh, Trump voter, but not supporter and a prepper and a second amendment advocate. And so we started talking about it and I said, well, what are you, first of all, what are you prepping for? (laughs) And I said, what does Armageddon look like to you? And he said, people taking away our guns. I said, but do you really think that people want to take away your guns? Are you a felon? Are you, you know, and I kind of ticked off the the things and he's like, no, no, but I'm ready. And, and they're welcome to try and they'll be killed in the meantime or in the process. And I was like, wow, well, just so you know, no one I know wants to take away your guns. They want to take away guns from felons, from people who are uh, likely to commit violence, who have proven that they've committed domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera. I said, do you open carry? He said, I used to, but I don't anymore because I know it makes people nervous. I said, yeah. I said, as a woman, you know, we always, we never know who the good guy or the bad guy is, even the, even with police, you know? And so, you know, it's not that I don't want you to be able to have a gun, but why I just... I don't know who you are and it would scare me. Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's part of why I don't do it anymore. And, um, you know, I've also heard the argument that, you know, that criminals aren't going to follow the laws. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure that every gun initially is sold legally. Right. I mean, I don't know, but I, I would assume that the gun manufacturers, like once they leave and go to Walmart or whatever, right. There's some process, right. Right. It's really the secondary market is where all of the, the, the problem is, is that, is that right? I may not understand it correctly. I think that, I think there are some channels like you can build guns out yes. of parts, things like that. But most, for the most part, guns are all originally sold manufacture, by manufacturers, but it's not like the drug trade where you sell something and then it's gone. Guns last forever. And um, states with people love to say, well, what about Chicago? They have these really strong gun laws and they have all this gun crime. Well, people steal guns in places like Arkansas, where there are tons of them. And then they send them up the iron pipeline to Chicago or wherever else and sell them, you know, out of the trunk of their car. And they get away with it. They get on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. They go to a gun show. Yeah. And that's right. And that's right. So so it's like, well, anyone can get these anywhere. It's not right. But if you close those loopholes, that will hopefully cut off some of that pipeline. I guess the thefts, you know, I don't know what to do about that, but. Well, part of what you could do about that is there are countless stories about people having handguns stolen out of their vehicles. Don't leave guns in your vehicle. Don't leave them where they can be stolen. And school resource officers leaving guns in the elementary school bathroom. Police officers having rifles stolen out of their patrol car in their driveway. 
we we've got to be more serious about how we store guns mm-hmm. because you can't just expect criminals not to steal them. And what you mentioned earlier about criminals don't follow laws. Well, that's an argument for anarchy. We have to have speed limits. We have to have seatbelt laws. And some people aren't going to follow those laws, but we have to try, right? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. It doesn't to me either. And, you know, we are a nation of laws, and I think most people are law-abiding. And I still don't understand why... Well, let me ask you this. Do you do you often speak with people in the opposition or who oppose these efforts or say they do? They may not understand what you're trying to do, but um, what are your conversations like with people like that? Do, do you try to find common ground? We, we actually do. We try and hold all of our meetings in public places. And so they're accessible to anyone who wants to join us. We regularly have people say, well, what does that shirt mean? And, oh, you're trying to take away our guns. More often than not, once we get to visiting and we tell them we're not anti-gun, we believe in the Second Amendment, we just want to be smarter about who and where people can have guns, we end up agreeing. Now, there are that small population of people who try and RSVP for our events and share it on Facebook and say, let's open carry at this meeting. They never actually show up, but we can have those productive conversations. And I think this last legislative session was a really good example of that because we are nonpartisan and we will work with anyone who wants to work with us. And we had Republicans and Democrats both asking us about these bills. And it wasn't just straight down the party lines on votes. And that was very encouraging. Mm -hmm. Of the people who are supportive, why do you think they are, especially if they're from the Republican Party, who I would presume is more inclined not to support more gun regulation? Well, I think in this session's case, we had some very extreme bills. One was the Stand Your Ground bill that would have allowed people to shoot first and ask questions later. Um, Another bill was what we called a guns everywhere bill. It would have done away with gun-free zones. Not only did Moms Demand Action speak out against these, but law enforcement, the NAACP, educating groups, we had a broad coalition of people speaking out against them. And I think that helped give all of the legislators some cover on why they would vote against it. It was interesting. Some of it was not exactly just Republicans voting against it, but maybe the bill didn't come up or maybe it um, didn't get moved out of committee. And I think that was a lot of power shifting behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Do you think in a place like Arkansas, where there is such a strong hunting and gun culture, that you'll be able to help affect some of this change? I mean, do you see progress I see huge progress. We only have a session every two years. And in 2017, there was a guns on campus bill brought. We fought it tooth and nail, but we were a small group then. We had people from the U of A. We had people from security, students, everyone testifying against it. And it just sailed right through and got passed. And after that... We had a Moms Demand Action group start in Northwest Arkansas because they were 
upset about guns on campus. After that, we had a Moms Demand Action volunteer run against Charlie Collins, who had filed and passed that legislation, and she won. And it was... Who was that? Denise Garner. Right. And Nicole Clowney started as a Moms Demand Action volunteer leader, and she is now a representative for Northwest Arkansas. Also, after that session, we had groups spring up in Batesville, Jonesboro, Arkadelphia. In part, you know, we weren't just Little Rock anymore. We were spreading across the state and really adding power to our movement. And this year, with the session, we had 10 groups across the state, and we were able to mobilize and call legislators from all districts and tell them about these dangerous bills. And... Uh, We stopped Stand Your Ground and Guns Everywhere, which two years ago we might not have been able to do. So we're not seeing background checks being passed, but we're stopping some of the really bad stuff. And that... That is its own achievement, yes. for sure. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, and I, I did not follow the um, session this closely that closely this year, but I did notice that you all were there a lot and you were working really hard. Um, well, at least that's what Facebook told me. So <laughs> I do follow you on Facebook. So why is there a dad's demand action? Why do you think it's mom's? Well, it's called Mom's Demand Action, but it is actually for mothers and others. You don't have to be a mom. We certainly have many men volunteers. It started as Mom's Demand Action because our founder, Shannon Watts, was familiar with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and she had seen what a powerful movement that was. So the day after Sandy Hook, she got online looking for something like that, but for gun violence, and there was nothing. So she just started it up. You know, some people balk at that name, wish it were more inclusive, but we're six and a half years in. I think it's sticking. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have a student's demand action, which is, has been really powerful to see those students adding their voice to this movement. I've been amazed by the Parkland kids. I mean, so proud of them. Proud feels condescending, but um, just so impressed by their tenacity and their uh, They're so brave. So brave. And, you know, they don't give a fuck. You know, they're going to do it. Like, they saw their friends killed. And um, and this is not to... uh, To take away from anyone else who's had the the same experience. But I've just been very encouraged by the young people today. I've had a very zen attitude since Trump was elected. Not that I wasn't upset, but I was like, okay, they can have what they wanted. And let's see how that goes. But I feel like it was a real catalyst for all the women who are running for office, for these kids who are demanding action, you know, demanding change, demanding to be heard, uh, kids on climate. So me too. I I am hoping that we are in the darkest part of the night before the dawn. And, um, and I, that is not to say that I want to have my way on everything, but I want us to, I want more people to be engaged. And I definitely want more women and young people engaged in the process. Uh, because I do think that we bring, I think women bring a different perspective to politics and policy because I think that it's always been my belief that when we make decisions as women, we're almost always thinking about our communities, our families, our friends, our neighborhoods, our cities in in ways that men don't because we tend to be the caretakers and we have to know what's going on and how our our actions impact everyone, right? Um, I also think that we're uh, less inclined to to react with violence, you know, and and more inclined to, to solve problems. And I would really, 
really like to see more of that in our world and us kind right. of coming together to figure things out because I'm, you know, we're in dire times. It's only getting worse, the polarization and, you know, the vitriol and the violence and the, I mean, God, the climate, I mean, all of it is, right. is a problem. So yeah, moms, we call it moms for short. Um, but it, I think that the real power is that it is mostly women and they multitask. I mean, when you see a, a volunteer breastfeeding her baby waiting to testify against a bad bill, those legislators in the room know, okay, they're not going anywhere. They're here. They're going to they're gonna say their piece. You know, we're natural multitaskers, organizers, and we have so many of those skills plus the empathy and the... I think part of what makes Moms Demand Action so successful is it's a community. We've made friends. I know people across the country now who share this common interest and common goal. And we get together once a year for Gun Sense University, where um, this year it's probably going to be 1,500 people to train up, to reinvigorate and um, make those connections to carry this work on. It's just different than anything I've ever experienced. Have you ever been engaged politically before in this kind of way? Not like this. No. We actually have a GunSense candidate program, which is kind of the answer to the NRA's rating system, uh, where they'll give so-and-so an A because they passed this gun bill and give some so-and-so an F for voting against it. Well, now we're giving out these GunSense candidate distinctions and letting our voters know hey, these are the people you should vote for. And this past election cycle, I was out knocking on doors, making phone calls, and Moms Demand Action, we had all of those skills already. We we phone bank for us. So sure, we can do it for Denise Gartner and Nicole Clowney. And um, Moms Demand Action really helped get some of these people into office. Has it inspired you to run for office? You know, people keep asking me that. I don't know quite yet what I would run for, but it is an interesting idea. Yeah. And it may not be what you're supposed to do. Maybe right. this is what you're supposed to do. People right. ask me a lot to run for office, and I just have never known if that was my path or was my path really to train other women to be able to empower them to go run for office. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But never say never, right? Right. Yeah. Um, my daughter is not quite five, and I think right now maybe I'm just going to stick with what I'm doing and see where that takes me. And you have a young son, too. Yes, he's eight. Oh, is he eight? Mm-hmm. They're so cute. Thank yes. you. So I met I met your husband when I worked for the Supreme Court. I was their mm-hmm. spokesperson, and he was at the AG's office at the time. And so I got to know him there. Oh, and I sold his candles in my candy store. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've met your sister. She's at Mount, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Very cool. Uh, yeah, it's a small world, small Arkansas for sure. Yes. Um, have you run into much uh, sexism or misogyny as, you're, as you've been doing this? Oh, you little ladies... You couldn't handle guns if you had them, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Um, well, just recently, um, not in Arkansas, but in New Jersey, some of the legislators showed up for the hearing wearing pearls, the men, um, to, to mock the Moms Demand Action volunteers. That had, uh, it just, it, it shouldn't have been surprising, but it was just so embarrassing 
for them. I mean, come on. Well, I've met some of the Republican um, women up in New Jersey, and I find it hard to believe that they would stand for that. Did, was there a pushback from their colleagues? Not that I'm aware of. Why pearls? What were they? What was their? What was the point they were trying to make? Um, I think they were alluding to women clutching their pearls. Oh, right, right. Because we shouldn't be concerned about children killing themselves and each other. Right, right. Or anyone for that matter. Right. And there's less outright misogyny like that here in Arkansas, but I'm sure our volunteers have have experienced it. It's more the you don't know what you're talking about on Facebook kind of stuff. Right. I've seen comments like that, like that's not an automatic weapon, or you know, they're they're right. They're particular. They don't even know what AR stands for. Well, we know it kills people. Right. Right. And that's really not the point. Right. Yeah. So I have, uh, there was a guy, I was his mentor for law school and we were visiting and he, he was making and selling guns online and it was really surprising, but it turns out he was not to take away his own agency, but I guess he was dating a conspiracy theorist. And so he, uh, was telling me about the video that said that, um, Sandy Hook was a conspiracy. Right. And I'm sure you've heard that. And he was like, Mm -hmm. At one point he said, oh, I cannot remember exactly what he said, but basically, you know, well, who would benefit from, um, I have to phrase it right. Anyway, he was basically saying, well, why would I do this? I wouldn't benefit from it. I said, but you are benefiting from it because you're selling guns. And every time something like this happens, you're probably getting lots of orders, aren't you? Well, well, yeah, that's true. And it's like, what do you... mentally deficient. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, why can't you just stop and think about this? And I'll never understand the conspiracy theorists. I, I don't get that. But um, I I do think that there's just this reluctance or uh, resistance to looking inward. You know, well, what am I upset about? Or, or why don't I want these controls to be implemented? Right? Because it doesn't affect me. It shouldn't, right? Now, there are probably some domestic abusers who don't want restrictions. Right. But most people, I think, are are lawful gun owners, and it shouldn't be a problem, right? And I've heard that a lot, too, from the right. Well, who cares about the Fourth Amendment? If you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to hide? Okay. Well, let's just turn that right around. If you're a lawful gun owner and you're not going to abuse your wife or shoot anyone or not keep it safe, then you shouldn't have to worry about it. Right. It's just these circular arguments. And I don't know how to have uh, conversations at scale that I think we need to. How do you do that? It is very hard when when they go straight to what part of infringed don't you understand. But there are some people we just can't win over. Um, So we really try and just focus our work on people who are willing to talk and have a discussion without just shutting down and saying, out of my dead hands or whatever. Right. You're right. You're right. I've been told that before. Focus on the ones you can can actually communicate with. We try really hard to be um, moderate, nonpartisan Let's let's see what work we can accomplish. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to outlaw guns. We're not going to do anything sweeping, but baby steps, you know, just like with drunk driving and mad, we weren't going to outlaw cars and we weren't going to outlaw alcohol. How could we make less drunk driving fatalities? Mm -hmm. And so they looked at all of the little things like background checks and safe storage laws and red flag laws. And altogether, maybe we can have some common sense 
to protect Americans. Mm -hmm. It should be something we can look at. Yeah. What are uh, some of the maybe most surprising or interesting things you've learned in this effort? Does anything stand out to you? Surprising. Or lessons learned or... Yeah. One big lesson is that we have to do this work with our communities. We have to, and it's something that Arkansas Moms Doing in Action has been struggling with. Um, we really need people from all walks to join us. We need faith leaders. We need black communities. We need uh, survivors. We need everyone because it's not just about school shootings and it's not just about city gun violence and it's not just about rural suicides. It is all of that combined. So building those community partnerships and reaching out has been um, one of my biggest challenges and something that we continue to work on. Is there anything that you um, have learned that's changed your mind about anything one way or another? Um, one thing that I have learned is that sometimes you have to let go of what you think personally and really do what is best for the organization and for the group. Like we have one member who said, you know, if it were up to me, we'd throw all the guns in the lake and move on. But we know that's not going to happen. So how do you continue those conversations? We had a lot of a lot of people reach out to us after last week or the week before CZ gun manufacturer is coming to Little Rock. Right. You know, it was it, it was very welcome to have all of these community leaders calling us up saying where do you stand? What do you think? And we said, we're not anti-gun. We'd love to partner with them on spreading our safe storage program, but we can't protest a gun manufacturer coming to town just because they sell guns. So balancing that personal and professional kind of balance is sometimes tricky. Yeah. I heard about that announcement. And I was like, oh, great. Just what we need more guns, you know, but I, I think that's smart. It's going to go somewhere. So you may as well have it here where you can work with them, hopefully. And and, and who wants to protest a $22 an hour job? Right. Arkansas could use jobs. We need them. Yeah, you're right. There definitely is a problem in high crime areas. And we talked about Chicago, but there are also areas of Little Rock where there's a lot of gun violence. Do you work with people from those communities about how to reduce gun violence there? In the past, we have tried to reach out to community, uh, to certain parts of the state after a specific event. But there's that fine line of being a partner and just showing up and saying, hey, we know how to fix this. And so we are building relationships slowly but surely where we can have those conversations um, in all communities. It's definitely something we are constantly striving for. And we've worked with lots of the community leaders in Little Rock particularly. But you know, with gun violence, city gun violence, a lot of it is just, it's not just the gun. It's poverty and education. And it's, it's so complicated and so, so tricky to navigate. So we have to 
we're trying to follow those leaders and be used where we can because it is, it's a complicated problem. Right. And I know exactly what you're talking about going into a community and saying, hey, we're here to fix your problems. Right. You know, as if they haven't been working, working on it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's good to hear. Are you working with Mayor Scott? Have you talked to him? Yes. Mayor Scott has been um, very supportive of, as he calls it, the Ministry of Moms Demand Action, which I love. And um, he is signing on to be one of the mayors against illegal guns, which is an every town project. He's going to sign a Wear Orange Gun Violence uh, Awareness Day proclamation for us in June. We're having Wear Orange events across the state to remember all victims of gun violence and to honor those survivors, too. He has been a great partner, and I'm really excited about what he's doing in Little Rock. I am, too. I, I did not support him initially, but I voted for him in the runoff, and um, and I'm excited to see what he does. I think it's... Uh, I, don't, I like to see a, a person of color leading the city, and I hope that he kind of shakes things up because I feel like we... Um, you know, going back to what you said about poverty and education, you know, we're quite segregated, um, and resources tend to go to the already wealthy or resource neighborhoods. And I look forward to uh, some more equitable efforts. Yes. You know? uh, and there have been people who have just been working for generations to try to make their communities better. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that he can bring folks together to be able to do that. So I am too. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope to talk to him at some point. Um, I definitely want to talk to the new police chief. Have you talked to him? I have not, but some of our members have. Okay. okay. Um, he came on board at a Controversial time. He's, He's got a big job. He does. He does. I, um, our last chief, when he first came on, I, um, I went to one of his, you know, community. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was in Stiff Station at the time and uh, went to the community meeting, and he was there, and you know, he opened it up for questions, and I thought, well, I'll just throw him a softball, and I said, well, how do you, pl- how do you plan to work with other city departments to deal with some of the systemic problems that lead to higher crime? poverty, education, lack of jobs, you know, those kinds of things. And he said, oh, I'm not going to. He said, I'm conservative. I don't believe in government hand-holding. And I was like, no, 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 I, I'm with you. I believe in accountability. I'm just saying there are underlying problems that, that can lead to this stuff. Yeah, I don't think you heard me. <laughs> and I was just wow. like, wow, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really off-putting. And uh, there were a couple of electeds in the audience that I turned around and I said, um, and they were like, yeah. So I, I really, I'm hopeful that the new chief will look at that and try to build bridges and try to um, provide really good training for their officers. Because I know not all the, I mean, there are, there are always a few bad apples, but they make the whole department look bad. And I think it can really cause trust issues. And we're getting off into a, I am getting off into a, a separate conversation, but I really hope that he can build a strong community from law enforcement. And I think that it's been a long time since they've done what I would call community policing, where they're really engaging with the people. Right. Um, and I have friends who used to work for Little Rock PD, and, and they said that, that changed a long time ago with, with uh, Chief uh, Thomas, maybe. So I have hope. I have hope. And, and I'm glad that you guys are working together. Uh, I want to ask uh, about suicide. So I don't know if it's just because I'm hearing about them more or if young people are committing suicide at higher rates. And I do believe that they are. And I connect that a lot to social media and these just the problems that social media causes because we create these fake lives that we all think we have to live up to and or the online bullying right. or whatever it is. Do you know if that is the case, if there are more suicides among young people now? 
I believe that is the case. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but they don't all get reported, you know, so it's kind of hard to track. But because I'm so involved with gun violence prevention across the state, I do hear about, oh, my son's friend just shot himself. And access to a gun increases the chance of suicide by three times. And the U.S. suicide rate is 10 times higher than other in high-income countries. And just like with school shootings, children access their parents' guns. Just because you think that your son or daughter is mature enough to go hunting with you doesn't mean they need to access the safe. Because kids kids are so unpredictable and one bad day shouldn't ruin their whole life. Um, so gun suicide, it really is a huge problem with rural white men too. Um, people don't talk about it very often, but it's a very common problem. Suicide among rural white men? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Any idea what, why that is? I'm not sure. I know white men represent 74% of firearm suicide victims in America, and um, gun suicides are concentrated in states with high rates of gun ownership. And we were in a meeting one day, and someone said, well, you know, I understand not leaving your gun around for your toddler to play with, but those stories about men shooting themselves when they're cleaning their gun, I just don't understand that. One of the women in the room with me said, well, my father was suicidal and he set it up to look like he'd shot himself unintentionally. But if you shoot yourself intentionally, life insurance doesn't pay. Right. It really, it gives me chills just talking about it again. You don't know what people are going through. And having that access to a firearm brings us back to the red flag laws. If if you knew that your husband or a loved one was in crisis, maybe you could get the guns out of the house for a little bit until they could get some help. I would think too, and just intuition tells me this, I have not studied it, but because I do think that there is um, uh, more people are struggle, struggling in rural areas. I know that poverty um, can... And financial problems can can increase domestic violence situations. And two, if if we really are um, becoming more urban, because that's where the opportunities are, and fewer people, fewer uh, job opportunities in the rural areas, it might just be a, a crisis of confidence, a crisis of self-esteem, and they feel like they're worthless or they suffer from depression. But we certainly don't live in a state that touts you know the benefits of therapy. I mean, we right. do in Little Rock, but probably not out in the woods, and or I say the woods, the more rural areas. So. Um, um, and that's not a, a masculine thing to do. So in our in our right. hyper-masculine culture, we don't teach men and boys to ask for help when they need it, right? Because right. they're supposed to be the ones who take care of everything and, and be manly and strong and have guns and hunt and do all of those manly right. things, right? So, right. yeah, it's probably a combination of things. That surprises me, though, that number. I, I wouldn't have – I don't know who I would have guessed it was, but I do know that traditionally um, or historically – men are more likely to use guns or they're more successful in their efforts to kill themselves. Correct. Yeah. So, so that doesn't surprise me. Is there anything else you want us to know that I haven't asked? I think one thing that we don't talk about very much are how many gun injuries there are that don't get put on the news and the impact that this gun culture has on Americans. 58% of American adults or someone they care for have experienced gun violence. 
and approximately 3 million American children witness gun violence every year. We're creating a generation of gun violence survivors. You know, they go through these lockdown drills. They see guns everywhere. Uh, They hear about school shootings. They witness shootings. And it doesn't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. We don't have to live this way. I think about that and kids having to go through those trainings. And I know we did tornadoes. That's all I really remember from my youth. We were still in the Cold War. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we did other stuff. But I just remember tornadoes. And, you know, we didn't take it very seriously. But we also didn't hear about things like this happening back then in the 70s and 80s. And so I I would imagine that, that kids carry with them some trauma even just from knowing that it could happen, right? And having to go through this training and the thought that one of their classmates could come in and kill them. Uh, I just... The stories are horrifying. Teachers tell stories about their children wetting their pants, they're so scared, or making a game out of it. Um, You get a sucker if you're absolutely silent. And there's no evidence that these lockdown drills even work because school shootings are so unpredictable and so chaotic and there's nothing that can really prepare you for that chaos. Um, But in the meantime, we are creating this whole culture where you're afraid to go to school and lots of schools now are metal detectors and cameras and it feels a little bit like prison. Our kids shouldn't have to deal with that. It also teaches them not to trust anyone. It does. And we, when we don't trust anyone, then it makes us less likely to try to work together for solutions just generally, right? It makes our politics even more divided. Right. And we're raising kids to be that way from the start, which they are not. I mean, it just makes me want to cry to hear that. I, I just can't imagine little children, what that must feel like. And I also, I, I, it is hard for me to understand why people who are opposed to reasonable regulations why that's okay with them. I'll try to find someone to talk to about it, but I there's just a better way to live. There's a better way to live without infringing too much on on right people's rights. Cuz clearly we've our Supreme Court has established that they do have second amendment rights, but that does not mean that it's um they are unfettered, you know, and, right. and it's still a privilege. I mean, you, you can lose your rights, I guess. Right. So just like voting. That's right. That's exactly right. So how can people get involved if they want to join the efforts? One really easy way to get involved is to text the word READY, R-E-A-D-Y, to the number 64433. And um, somebody from our group will call you up and say, hey, I'm so glad you're interested and let me find an event near you. And that works for the national organization. So anyone can do it. Um, We also have a bunch of Wear Orange events coming up in June. And if you text ORANGE to 64433 and put in your zip code when prompted, it will tell you where an event will be near you. And then I'm I'm assuming you all take donations? We sure do. Um, We are on Facebook. Um, We have a national Facebook page, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. And then each, we have a chapter in every state. So each state has their own page. And if you just look up Moms Demand Action Arkansas, you'll find us. Um, You can make donations on momsdemandaction.com. And we're on Twitter. We're everywhere. (laughs) Moms are everywhere. Yes, they are. It's been fascinating to watch these presidential 
hopefuls, every single event, it doesn't matter which one it is, there's someone in a red Moms Demand Action shirt there snapping a selfie with that candidate. And gun sense is a huge topic for these presidential hopefuls, which is unheard of. It is. It's a change. It is. They're coming out with policies and what they would do and how they could help. And we were so surprised just, you know, 2016, when Clinton and Bernie Sanders talked about it a tiny bit. So to see these hopefuls, really, Cory Booker just announced this huge plan. Um, but but they're all talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting. Well, and I think the polls are showing that America is, is moving that way as well. I mean, more people want sensible gun legislation than they don't. I, th- I think another problem, and again, this is just my intuition, is that the NRA had such a loud voice that it felt like no one was um, interested in, in this discussion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that was true. I just think that they had, you know, you know, they were the loudest ones in the room. And so, right. And I think that uh, Parkland really may have been a turning point. I really do. That's just that's just the feeling I get. And when was that? Is that was that in 16 or 17? That was February 2018. Oh, my God. That was just a year ago? It was just a year ago. Wow. Um, well. Yes. I do think that that's been a turning point. Because I, I feel like that is when, when those kids really started speaking out. I think that's when others... The adults had to decide. I think so. Yeah, I think so. If the kids can do it, we can too. Mm -hmm. And actually, I would really like for more kids to be, even if they can't vote, it's their future as well. And frankly, we have not done much to protect it for them. And so I would love to see more kids out there mobilized and uh, talking about what's important to them. Right. And for our politicians and our, our policymakers to take them seriously. Because even if they can't vote for you, it's still their decisions make a big difference in their lives. That's right. Yeah. Well, this is exciting. Okay. Well, I don't think I have any other questions. Wonderful. I really appreciate you talking to me. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to visit with someone else who I'm going to say is on the other side. I don't like saying that, but who might have different ideas about how to deal with these problems. Um, But I do want to ask one more thing for the people and not the ones who are never going to move, but for the people who might hear you and think, you just want to take my guns away, but they're open to hearing your ideas and thoughts about this, what would you say to them? Do you have sort of a, an elevator pitch that you that you might say to someone who, who might not think that they can get on board? Usually we start with the fact that we are Second Amendment supporters, we are not anti-gun, and we are here to talk about common sense things we can do to take small steps toward a safer community. And depending on who it is, if it's a politician or um, just a regular person on the street or a family member, sometimes we just start with one little, one little ask. Like, I don't want my kid to get shot at your house. When I'm here, could you please make sure your gun is locked in a safe? And if they can't do that for me, then I'm not going to bring my kids to their house. And in Arkansas, that's a very real conversation that has to happen. And that opens the door sometimes for, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? 
We just try and be as reasonable and non-confrontational as we can be. Um, because I, I will talk, well, I did have somebody from Jan Morgan's group try and get me to go on the radio with her. And I said, no, but I'll talk to just about anyone. Mm-hmm. Maybe not on the radio. Right. right. <laughs> I, I think there are some people, and I told you earlier, I thought about interviewing uh, Jan Morgan about this. And, uh, but I think that there are some people who are not really interested in having a conversation about it, but just having a fight about it. And I don't find that to be productive because right. I, I think there are plenty of folks out here, there who would have a conversation with you and that's going to be more productive and, um, and get you all, everyone closer to where we need to be. So, right. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And You're so welcome. I'm impressed with all the work you all are doing and, and I'm glad that you, I'm glad you signed up for this. So thank thanks. You. Thanks. Thanks.